Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Amen. Indeed, there is. I can't help but saying that. This seems so fitting every time. Hey, welcome to uh, Rescue Radio. Today we're going to be talking about the lost art of prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are awesome in all of your ways, in all of your works. And we declare that your will be done, O God, on earth, in and through us this day as it's being done and declared in heaven Father God, I pray that you tuck each one of us, those who are listening today, those who will listen later, into the safety of the palm of your hand, that we will feel your peace and sense your presence in this very hurried and anxious world, that you'll keep us, Lord God, as the apple of your eye, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us, for finishing that work, which we could never have done ourselves. We thank you that you've completed it and are accomplishing it in us, even as we live and move and have our being in you. We thank you for um, the work of this day, that you'd cause us to accomplish it through the power of your Holy Spirit. And part of that work is to pray. And so we thank you, Lord, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and heart to be sensitive, to know, to recognize, to discern the works of darkness and the will of God, even always, even today, that the revelation of Jesus Christ would be our pursuit and not all the tasks listed on our list of things to do, Father. I thank you, Jesus, for giving us power over all the power of the enemy, power to bind, power to loose, power to forgive, to forbid, and to, and to um, permit, Father. I thank you, Jesus, for giving us your wisdom, your mind, the mind of Christ, through your Holy Spirit who dwells in us, who makes intercession for us according to the will of God. And we also thank you for the promises that no weapon formed against us will prosper that no word said, no deed done, no action taken by the enemy, no petition he makes before the high court of heaven will prevail against our petitions, Lord God, because of your great love for us. So, Lord, give us real hearts to understand, to desire, to know what prayer is today and to understand it according to your will. You are the faithful witness, Lord God. Jesus testified of the truth, and we ask you for these things in the name of Jesus, Father. Amen. Well, I already said a whole lot of stuff just in praying that prayer, honey. Did you recognize, Did you see all that? All that stuff that we can, prayer that, is about. That's, that's a lot of. I know. There's a lot of stuff there. A lot to do with prayer, but you know, it, our topic today, the lost art of prayer. <clears throat> um, so, what what is prayer? First of all, we need to define what well, prayer is. What is it? I think prayer, very really simply, is talking to God, and um, you know, listening to God, talking and listening. It's like conversation, communicating. Conversation. It's really communicating. Communication with God. Yeah. Talking to God, letting him know about how things are going down here, what's going on, what you see, what you need, what you think you need, and then asking him to make some decisions to help out, deliver. Well, God is totally aware of what's going on on the earth, right? So well, we're not yeah, really, it's not, we're like, not really making him aware. Oh, God, did you realize that? And he does. <laughs> oh, my, I had no idea about that. Glad you told me. Well, It's no. not quite like that, is it? No, prayer is really for our good and um, for communication. I think... I think ultimately the greatest men and women of God, the people of the Word, will it, the, reading the Word, understanding God, pursuing God, will drive you to prayer. Um, I mean, it's like you're not 
forced to do it, but you're compelled to do it. And and let me just think that, you know, even in talking about prayer, so many, there's so much bad rap, bad information, negative um, reactions and experiences re- revolving around prayer. Prayer is very, very diabolically undermined. Uh, it's one of the most strategic and um, uh, specific things the devil targets is keeping the people of God from praying. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I just want to say that even before we talk about prayer and understanding or trying to understand prayer, um, to explain it, we're in danger actually of, of you know, uh, missing the fragrance of the beauty of the mystery of its power because it's a very delicate, uh, vital, essential. It's almost like the art of breathing. How do you diagnose breathing? Breathing is the essential act that keeps us alive. And so to, to try to talk about prayer with with, with out of, without a, out of the context or outside of the context of divine communion, you know, and participating in the fellowship of God with God, with His sufferings, with His agenda, with His heart. Prayer our, on our part is to get to know God and to um, know Him as Father. Prayer is about a relationship, and 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 the power of that relationship brings answers to our petitions. So it's the power of prayer that's based on our relationship with our Father. That's the relationship piece. And Jesus explains this simply. And i got to tell you, Jerry, in the place where he explains this, it's a very plain analogy. And it's that of a father being willing to answer his child's request. And so let's look at that for just a second, and then we'll get into whatever it is um, the Lord leads us to get into. But in Luke chapter 11, um, starting with first. Well, actually, everybody's really familiar with this if you know anything about the Bible. Um, by the way, if you want to call in and talk to us today, it's 347-215-8051. I do believe our chat rooms are open. Yes, what a blessing, huh? That's a real breakthrough right there. <laughs> um, in, chap- in Luke chapter 11, starting with verse, um, uh, let's see, we want to go um, verse 9. We can. He's right before that. He's talking about the Our Father, of course. Um, but in verse nine, he says, "And I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you; seek, and you will find; knock, and it will be opened to you." It sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of persistence. It's not when you don't get it from asking, then you got to go into seeking. When you don't get it from seeking, then you got to go into the knocking mode. It's kind of gets it more intense. But for everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, if you just know that Jesus Christ never told a lie, then you know that this has got to be true. But we all say, but in my experience, I have asked, I have asked and asked, and it didn't happen. I've knocked until my my knuckles are blue, and the door never cracked open. So how do you explain this if you have to continue to maintain that God doesn't tell a lie and Jesus knows what he's talking about? Well, then Jesus goes on to explain it a little further, which I think helps us answer the questions we just asked. In Luke 11:11, 11, 11, he says, "A son, if a son asks for bread from a, any father among you, will he not will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion?" In other words, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So He's saying, if you fathers on earth, mothers, uh, answer the requests of your children, you don't trick them, you don't um, bait and switch, you don't, 
you know, set them up. If they ask for a fish, they need a fish. They need something to eat. You're not going to give them a snake. You're not going to bite them with a, uh, you know, um, a serpent, a sting, a rejection. If you know how to give good gifts based on your relationship as a father to your child, and you're just earthly people, uh, people of, of the earth, how much more will your heavenly father, who can do no wrong, basically uh, not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Now we say, well, why the Holy Spirit? I, I didn't ask for the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I need the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is the GPS guidance system God downloads within us, and he is the one who actually prompts us and leads us to pray. So many times I think, honey, people think, oh, i got to pray. I need to pray. I should pray. I didn't pray today. Um, when, in fact, the, the prayer that comes up out of us, the desire to pray, the prompting for prayer, the desire to go into prayer comes actually from the Holy Spirit who wants to make intercession for us. You know, so often we think of prayer as a separate uh, religious discipline. Or activity. Yeah, yeah. or an activity. Mm-hmm. So now if I'm going to pray, okay, I have to take time out of my busy schedule and go to a certain place. Now, Jesus said, when you pray, go to a secret place, go to your closet, a mm-hmm. private place. Mm-hmm. That's an important time for you to be just alone Quiet, quiet, undistracted, undistracted Mm -hmm. before the Lord. But prayer, what we said at the beginning of the program today, prayer is conversation with God. It's like breathing. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like a constant communion. So so in first Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17 says rejoice evermore. And then it says pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. We think how in the world could we pray without ceasing? But while we breathe without ceasing, because when we cease breathing, we cease, right? <laughs> We're so, dead. But but so it's it's that constant communion, looking to the Lord, and that and such a wonderful thing, Marjorie, that we as human beings can be in communication yeah. with the God of Heaven, the Creator of the universe. The, the, the prayer links us. It's the link. It's yes. the link between heaven and earth, and and it links us up with the kingdom of God and. What God is up to today, what He wants us to do, where He wants the what He wants us to accomplish for Him today. So many people believe that prayer is what we do to go to God to get the stuff we want. Yeah, well, prayer actually is more of an exercise in faith and ex- exercising our faith in God and His goodness, in His abilities, in His willingness. I think this all of those. You know, you have to know that God is good, that He is able. Nobody seems to have a problem with God is able if they believe God is. But God is able, that God is good, and God is willing. But and, will he? He's able, but will he do it? Well, that's just the point. Yeah, that's lot, the and that, that's where we get into the obstacles the devil puts up in our soul, the, unwilling, uh, the uh, guilt, the unworthiness, um, not feeling, uh, you know, feeling disheartened, I think, because maybe the prayers you've lifted be, before the Lord before have not been answered or not been answered according to what you've wanted. And uh, a lot of times, even as you go back to the analogy of the father and the child, the child is going to ask for things that the father knows are not good for them um, at that time, maybe later in their life, maybe when they've learned their lesson on how to you know, use a 22, you know, when you're six years old, seven, eight years old, having a 22 probably isn't the best idea. But when you're older, I mean, obviously, so it's a prayer that's going to be delayed um, and not answered immediately. And a lot of times with our experiences, we don't understand God's purposes in the matter. And so we, of course, just cry out in the most obvious way that we want to see the prayer answered, um, and yet God has another way. A lot of people 
are disappointed with what they have prayed. I remember when I was, I was like, I think about 10 years old, and I remember praying for my uncle who had cancer. Mm-hmm. My uncle, his name was Willie, and I said, Lord, don't let Willie die, and he died. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so what happened put, to you? It put me into a little bit of uh, perplexity there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember just, you know, let that that that, that was not. You know that happens a lot. Time. That it, happens a lot. That's just an to example. To children especially. And when children are programmed or this kind of experience of a failure to answer a big prayer um, happens in their little life and they don't understand it in the context of the bigger picture, then they it, it often it's the, it's the start of that unbelief. It's the start of that reluctance to pray or that God doesn't hear my prayers or lies begin to be generated out of that experience and because the devil wants you to perceive that isn't dependable, that God doesn't always answer prayers or that um, you did something wrong or you didn't, you know. Right. And, there, and so we discourage, it discourages it, us it, in it praying. It very discouraging. And sometimes people, you know, ignore God day after day, month after month, year after year. Then when a crisis comes, maybe a sickness, disease, mm-hmm. or a tragedy comes, their desperation, maybe a financial crunch comes to them, then they cry out to the Lord. Or sometimes and that, and they then, don't. And sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't. They don't They do not do it. But sometimes when people do pray and say God, and, and, and people from all different religions around the world pray, mm-hmm. They will come to God and say, hey, I really need your help here. And then if the answer doesn't come in the way that they think it should come, then they've got another uh, point to their case Mm -hmm. against Just building the wall between them and God, and that's exactly what the devil wants to do. Because because why is the devil so strategic in his attack against us? And, and, And why are answers to prayer the big deal to us. I mean, praying should be the big deal, the communion with God and to know that God knows that he heard, that he loves us, that he's good, that he's totally aware of the situation. That in itself should be enough to calm us down and keep us from freaking out if the answer we prayed for didn't come the way we wanted it. Like the three Hebrew children, thy will be done. If he delivers us out of the fiery furnace, great. And if he doesn't, that's fine too. So the ultimate for them it was the relationship, and I think for the, for us too, the enemy attacks us because prayer is vital. It's critical to the movement, the, the forward motion of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God stalls out when people don't pray. And here's why: because God acts in response to our petitions. God and the devil are both answering prayers all the time. Satan answers prayers. Um, and he likes to answer his prayers as a form of bribery and uh, conditions to lure people into a deeper entrenchment, entanglement, uh, negative, abusive relationship with him. Now, can you give us an example of somebody praying to Satan? Oh, Satan is it all the time. Witches do it all the time. Uh, they pray, they fast, they offer their blood sacrifices, they chant, they cut themselves like in the days of Elijah. They were praying. And we have that very same thing going on these days and have it pretty much the same. And we have the, the covens and the coves and the dark uh, nights and the full moons and all this other garbage going on. And they are praying. And actually, they are more dedicated. It's amazing. They are more dedicated in their slavery and service to Satan than we are as free, uh, saved uh, daughters and sons of the Most High God. It's kind of insane how that the, the because the enemy attacks 
um, the people of God with discouragement and all kinds of things we can get to a little bit later. But but this critical piece with prayer, see, both God and Satan um, act depending on who obey, who chooses to obey them or believe in them. So the the rule in the war is whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his slave you become. So if we're yielding to God and obeying God, we become the son or daughter of the servant of the Most High, then um, God gets to act in our life if we make a petition uh, to God. However, if God is ignored, uh, God is not approached, God is not petitioned, uh, then God, he does act, obviously, according to his will and purpose, but he is limited, I believe, uh, because he says if we pray, he can change things. So God has to let certain things go. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will bring healing to the nation, for example. So God has to let the nation go down into this place that we're in right now at the bottom, uh, you know, the, the, the dregs of, of discord and despair and destruction, division, animosity, bitterness, because we have not given God what he needs. God needs to have our petitions Lift. You say, well, that's such a big job. I can't do it alone, and nobody else is praying, so I can't get the nation to pray. If my, He says, if my people, well, that people is probably just a remnant. You'd be surprised what a few people can do, um, 120 people basically in the upper room praying for for basically the, the, the challenge there was to stay in unison and to do it for 10 days, that was, a, how would we, we, if the, if the earth depended, its survival depended on the remnant of God's people staying in unison and praying for 10 days in, in, an, in an upper room, the world would be destroyed. Because right now I don't believe, I don't have faith for that. But I, I believe that God doesn't need a, a million people. He needs his remnant. He needs, a, he says, I'm looking for one guy to stand in the gap to make up the hedge to connect heaven and earth in this matter. And uh, that one person can be the little old grandma who nobody thinks about, who's stuck in her house, you know, uh, living on a pension, whatever, uh, who takes the time because she can. Um, she That's her calling at that point to intercede before God or the little old grandpa who so, sits in his rocking chair. He can pray. The little maxim I've kept in my heart for a long time is that when we're praying, God is working. God might be working behind the scenes. We can't see it. Mm-hmm. But as we're praying according to the will of God, he is, and, and, and really a lot of times what we do is we we ask, Lord, show me your will. Well, God is saying to us, well, I've revealed your, my will to you. Uh, you just need to discover it. That's a big part of it. There's a time for asking for, Lord, what do you want in this situation and looking for the answer. But more often than not, uh, it says, "Be not unwise, but understanding." What the Ephesians five seventeen. Mm-hmm. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So, mm-hmm. because the power is, if we ask anything according to His will, according to John chapter, yeah. uh, First John chapter five verses fourteen to fifteen, it says, "If we ask anything, let me just let me just uh, read." Yeah, this. that's a real interesting this scripture. Is, this is very very oh. powerful. First uh, John chapter five, um, verses fourteen and fifteen. He said, "Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the 
petitions that we have asked of him. So here's the equation. It's it's very simple. It says verse uh, if now this is the confidence. So this is how we know that we know what what we're asking for is, for from him is uh, going to be granted. This is the con- that if that that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will. So first of all, if we know his will, Jesus knew the will of the Father all the time. So he had a hundred percent batting average. He he was or is it a thousand? I don't know how they regard that. But anyway, um, he was a hundred percent on all the time. Because he was asking everything according to the will of the Father. So if we're spending time knowing the will of God, the heart of God, and we ask according to his will, he hears us. He is happy because now we have given him, actually it sounds weird, but we've given him permission to act on earth on our behalf or on behalf of the people that we're petitioning for. So we have, we have untied the hands of God through our prayers to allow him to act according to his will because we've asked for his will. And that's what he needs. He needs people on earth to cry out for the will of God. Thy will be done, O God. Beginning of the Our Father, thy will be done in heaven and on earth. Then we know that he hears us, and we know this. The second knowing is that if we know that he's heard us, then we know that we have the things we've asked for of him um, because uh, that those petitions we've asked for him will be granted. Now, here's the problem. A lot of times we are praying in the will of God. I remember praying a prayer according to the will of God one time, and um, there was a, I mean, there was a scripture, actually, that I prayed right back to him, and he said, this is what you said, this is your will, um, and so therefore, you know, here's the scripture, I'm praying according to your will, and the prayer did not get answered according to the way I'd prayed it, the way I wanted it to be answered. It did not happen, and I sought the Lord, and I was very perplexed about why this prayer did not get answered. And basically, the the bottom line is, a lot of times, even though you're praying in the will of God, God will answer that prayer, and it he, he doesn't put a time limit. There's no expiration dates on your prayers. They will be answered here or there in heaven or in the air, whatever, but they will be answered as you're praying in the will of God. But in this particular case, as is in many, many cases, when we don't see our prayers answered, there is a problem and the problem is the other person. A lot of times we're not just praying for ourselves. I mean, it's easy when you're praying a prayer for yourself because you don't have the, all you have to worry about are the interferences of the lies that come out of your mind and will and heart. But in, in another person's life, you have also the lies that they're believing that become obstacles to the answers to prayer. Maybe it's their unbelief. Maybe it's their feelings of rejection, of bitterness, unworthiness, guilt, whatever. And so you have to pray beyond or past or through their they're holding on to something that's hindering God from acting, and Satan is, is working at the system so that the prayer doesn't get answered. Satan is blinding their minds so yeah. for those that, that don't uh, believe. Now, that's here, true. Here's answers to prayer. A lot of times we think an answer to prayer is always yes. <laughs> that's an answer. Yes, okay, yes, I'll do it. There it comes, just like I prayed it. And we think those are the only answers to prayer. But there are answers to prayer, too, because if that I... Are, if I ask somebody asks me a question, you know, am I a, are you a Norwegian? I could say yes, or I could say no, depending on who I am, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's yes, there's the yes answers, there's the no answers, and then what the thing is sometimes God is saying yes, but we're 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 concerned about the timing, right? We have to we have to wait 
and it's later. Timing is a big and, problem. And we, we think sometimes we have preconceived ideas of how God is going to answer right. our prayers. Mm-hmm. And if it yeah. doesn't, if it doesn't, if the, the the scenario doesn't seem to fit our preconceived ideas of how God is answering, mm-hmm. should how we think God should answer, then we think then he we get answered. discouraged and we mm-hmm. give it up, and then we think He hasn't answered. But wait a minute, He is working with the will of that person. He's bringing circumstances to pass. He's doing things behind the scenes that we can't see. Right, and that's very frustrating because we always want to see the behind the scenes. We always want to know more. We want to get the scoop, the mystery, the secret, the whatever. And so for us to wait in blind faith of believing without having uh, the immediate evidence of something is is that challenge. And I think that is where um, you, prayer is not for the faint-hearted. Prayer is not for the weak and weary who've got to show me, show me, see it right now. Um, it, it, prayer is a pursuit of, of you're pursuing something more than an answer to prayer. You're pursuing, again, that relationship with Jesus Christ, that communion that takes away the anxiety, that takes away the freak out mode, that we can rest in what we're doing and knowing that God is um, hearing us, that God's good. Yeah, and our, our, our culture, our, our, our super speed, instantaneous uh, technological culture, uh, it doesn't really help us in that regard because we want to have an answer in, right. in seconds. Instant. We've got to have a faster computer. We've got to have a faster phone. We've got to have it instant. We've got to have it now. We've got to have our That's why now. the devil is so appealing to people uh, because the technologies have set us up. The God of this world has set up, I can have what I want. It's all about me. I can have it now. I don't have to wait. Of course, I, have to, I do pay later and pay with my very life, but I can have... So much of it right now, and so waiting becomes a an annoyance. I mean, even irritated standing in a, a long checkout line for this or that, we become very, um, it's you know, selfish, annoyed, angry, upset, uh, impatient. I think that's because we're so racing inside, we're so driven, and that it's 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 a slowdown on the outside becomes almost like a screeching halt, and we can't handle it. But you know, like I said, prayer is not for the faint heart, faint of heart, because there's going to be a lot of times that the the very the the whole situation is there to perfect that which concerns us, and part of that is to get to the place of being broken, um, yielded, surrendered, and not actually as pushing for our own agenda or answers the way we want to have them. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons. Um, that that God that people don't pray many reasons that people don't pray or don't prevail or don't um, God in prayer um, and I think those obstacles we're going to look at those real briefly but people don't pray because I I believe they think prayer is work prayer is dry boring and pointless now how how are we ex- how are we raised how what was your first exposure to prayer. Was it like what Jerry said, that he prayed for his uncle not to die, and he died? Was it a, a, a ritualistic, legalistic kind of liturgy, form prayers that we mumble and, and just repeat without thought or any kind of intention? There's no, there's no uh, in, in engagement mentally, emotionally. There's no love attached to it. It's just a going through the motions. A lot of us were exposed to those kinds of prayers, so that kind of prayer is boring. It's dry. It's work. I think even for Christians that know better, prayer still is laboring in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
you know, we don't like to labor. We don't like to work too hard. And for a lot of people, that prayer is the last resort. It's like when everything, when all my efforts have failed, nothing I've done has worked well, out. Yeah. Uh, I've exhausted my energies. My resources. I'll, I'll but I think at that point where you've exhausted everything, there's two options. You can either surrender to God and say, you know, not my will, but thy, thy will be done. Open your hands and let go of the, in, the thing you've insisted upon. Just let go of it. Trust God. Release it to the Lord. Or you can become bitter, and I think that's another big obstacle to prayers is bitterness. Um, bitterness is like swallowed anger. I'm mad. I'm mad because God took my dad when I was 10 years old, and, and, and God didn't answer this prayer. And I pray, guys, you've got to get over those experiences. You cannot allow your experiences or exposures to things determine the true in, uh, definition of that thing because most of that experience and exposure was set up deliberately to condition you to believe the very thing that now becomes an obstacle and a separation between you and the only one that can help us, the only one that can help us now on this earth to, for example, redeem this nation if that be possible, or the world to pull it back out of judgment and is the Lord God, the Creator God, and He is the only one that has been blasted and shunned. His Son, Jesus Christ, has been rejected. He becomes a byword, a, uh, you know, a swear word. He becomes the the embarrassment. I mean, people will even talk about God, the Lord, but when you say Jesus Christ, then you're a marked man. You have just taken a stand for the one true God and for His plan. When that that powerful name of Jesus Christ. Satan has so blasphemed it, so defamed it, that people are ashamed or afraid to even say his name uh, in, a, in a reverent uh, way, a way where we are standing up for and standing on and standing behind that name. That name is our, our, he's our, he's the captain of the host. He's the one who's coming back with the, with the armies to slay the evil one, the enemy, with the breath of his mouth in the battle of Armageddon. Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He is about to be—I um, don't know what the word is—instated on the throne as the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. But those who are ashamed of His appearing, those who are not looking for His appearing, those who have shunned Him, blasphemed Him, turned their eyes against Him, they're turned their head against Him. They—they're—they're uh, they're, they're not going to have a prayer. They're, this is going to happen. All of this ends exactly the way the Lord God says it ends. Because God is not a liar, and God is good, and God is God. And and there are many people who are trying to take the position of God, answer their own prayers, uh, manipulate situations to get their own prayers, or they're looking to the devil to answer their prayers. The devil is not good. He does not love you. He's not interested in your benefit at all. He's only interested in one thing, and that is your destruction, so that he can hurt God. That's all he wants to do. And it does hurt God when we're destroyed, because we are God's creation, God made us in his image. It's very difficult, I imagine, for the Lord God to see what is being done to his children um, on this earth. And that's why he must have incredible endurance and patience to see this go on and on. And yet everything, everything will be judged. Jesus took it down to the blades of grass when he said, even every blade of grass that is not created by my Father will be snuffed out. So everything that's not of God will be judged and dealt with. But going back to prayer, people think it's boring, pointless, because people, here's the problem. We do, we, prayer requires that we be quiet, we settle down, 
We stop entertaining ourselves for 20 seconds. We get, we focus, we concentrate, and we just don't know how to do that. We are constantly being bombarded with music and words and lyrics and songs and noise, elevator music in our minds, even in the stores. There's no quiet. You can't even shop in quiet. There's no quiet. There's no... We're bombarded, and, and that's have, yeah, our cell phones. Well, that's a demonic device to keep uh, our air waves um, and our receptors just bombarded, busy, decoding, designaling, uh, singing along with something that is nothing, and keeps us from becoming sober and serious. So, people are bored, they're overloaded, their circuits are jammed, and, and um, frequencies are overloaded. Also. People don't pray sometimes because they are, as we already referred to, mad or bitter or discouraged. And that's a big one, too. I think I think we need to recognize these are demons. The spirit of discouragement or double-mindedness or doubt or, or fear or unbelief or despair, these are spirits that we must address and rebuke. You spirit of discouragement, I command you. You spirit of dis, uh, distraction, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, to be gone from me. You will not operate here. You will not interfere with my desire to pray. You will not take away my desire. You will not bind me up to do your will in the name of Jesus. And so that's another aspect of prayer. It is, it's the communion with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the authority, too, that we have in prayer. Mm-hmm. That, you know, not only that we ask according to his will, act, seek, and knock, He's a good, loving, heavenly Father giving us what what we request because he loves his children. He wants what's best for us. But along with that, in prayer, we have an authority in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. As we're asking in the will of God, we have authority to, to, to bind whatsoever we bind on us shall be bound in heaven. Mm-hmm. Whatsoever we loose on us shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how that works, the binding and loosing, that, uh, that, that exercise of mm-hmm. the authority. Yeah. God well, this is a kind of a, this is given to us in Matthew chapter 16 and 18, chapters 18 and 16. But in 16, he says, um, we've just got the place where um, Jesus has asked Peter, um, who, who, who are you? Who do men say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That was his confession, profession. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. This is verse 17 of six, chapter 16. Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So he, Jesus, was looking for the revelation that Father was giving Peter and was recognized it when um, Peter was able to declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, which is a wow statement. That is a declaration that if you mean that from the heart, that is what basically uh, is critical to salvation, that there is no other way to heaven. And then Jesus goes on to say, and I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. This is basically, I, I don't know if this is the very first place Jesus mentions the word church, um, and how it's even, a, a, you know, what the Greek and Hebrew mean here, but that we take it as the word church. So he's talking about the, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, this is the place, this is Mount Hermon, or at the foot of Mount Hermon, actually, um, in Caesarea Philippi, where Caesar had built a, a, I don't know, a summer palace or whatever he had done over there. But it was also the place where the 
fallen angels had first made their covenant to go after the women uh, and exploit them sexually. And that's where the giants came from. This is Mount Hermon where they still have the god Pan. This is the mount where they still have the, they go to see the oracles of Delphi, I believe. And Jesus is standing there at this place where all these shrines to, the, to, the, to, to Satan uh, were set up where people would go. Jesus stands right there and he says, you are, this is the rock and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail again. He's like saying this right to the devil, right in his face at the devil's doorstep at the gate of hell. Basically, he's saying that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Um, that, In other words, that we're going to stand at those gates and prevail against the enemy who goes in and out and in and out and in and out to do his thing through those gates. And he says, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I believe this is the power and ability, the, the authority to shut the gate, open the gate, to loose. And that means to release or permit and to bind, which means to forbid and, and hold back. So if you're binding, the only thing we really have the authority to bind and loose are the, are the, is the enemy, the spirits of, uh, of, of, of Satan that would come as, um, to attack the people of God. So these spirits come and take their, their, they go against the, the, the children of God with discouragement, with defeat, despair. And we, as intercessors, as prayers, as, as soldiers in this war, this is a spiritual war. It's a war where the battle is prayer more than anything else. Yet there's very few who want to enter into that part of the battle. Um, we always like to do the hand-to-hand physical combat, but this prayer is, is, is essential. I bind you, enemy, I forbid you to conduct your operation against so-and-so or in this matter or in this place. I forbid you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I release the will of God, the permissions and power and presence of God. I know, for example, <clears throat> when I go on assignment, like I did this weekend um, to California to do, it was definitely a, uh, a divine assignment. In the plane flying in, landing, I was saying to the enemy, I am coming in under the assignment of the Most High God, and I forbid you. In other words, I'm binding. I forbid you to conduct any operations against me that will hinder me from doing what the Lord God has commanded me to do. Now, when I say something like that, I am actually coming up into the into the throne room of grace and mercy where the enemy goes to make an accusation against us, to make a petition, to bring trouble, to bring confusion. But if I'm also showing up at the same time in that throne room of grace and mercy to make my petition I truly believe that God will hear my petition before he will answer the devil's prayer. However, many of us don't show up in the grace, the throne room of grace, mercy, or petitions are heard on a daily basis. We just kind of ram through the day, crash through the day, hope it turns out okay. But when I go in like that and I declare thy will be done and Satan, I'm coming in under the assignment of the Most High God. That is a prayer. But I, I notice my trips go lovely. They're perfect. They're wonderful. I mean, that was the most divine connections I have had in a long time even getting the right flights, uh, you know, just amazing, amazing. There wasn't, there, it was just amazing. And, and I've done this many times, every time. And then when you get back, on the way back, you shake the dust off your feet to say, I'm not taking back with me anything that I picked up there, uh, any demonic spiritual junk. I'm shaking it off and let the judgment, if they, like he says in Luke again, he says, if they re- don't receive the, the counsel and the, and the revelation that you bring them, then shake the dust off your feet and let it be a judgment against them. So 
So binding and loosing is is that very thing. And, and a lot of people get confused about this. It's a simple authority that God has given us. Um, in Luke 18, if we look at it again, um, let's see, 18, 18. Yeah, the same is the second, uh, second time he talks about it in terms of, in this time it's in the context of an offended brother, uh, verse eight, uh, uh, Matthew eighteen fifteen going down. Moreover, if your brother sins against, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Verse 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, Again, then in verse 19. I say that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, in other words, in anything that they pray, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This is incredible that you don't need 20 or 30 or 2,000 people. You need two or three. You need, there's a power in agreement and unity, and that's another thing the devil really attacks is the prayer the, the hinders prayers between husbands and wives or uh, family members or two people. If you can be in complete unity in the matter as you present it before the Most High God, it becomes a majority. Two becomes a majority. Three becomes a majority. And yet people say, oh, I can't find somebody to pray with me. Uh, and a lot of times we have prayer partners that aren't really not genuine prayer partners too. That's another trick of the devil. He'll send someone like a Jezebel to come alongside you to be a armor bearer or a prayer warrior and that they're only there to um, you know, siphon off the power of your prayers and defeat you or, or deceive you. But back to this binding and loosing, people don't do that. Uh, people, I, I don't know why honey, they don't bind and loose. I, there's a confusion that um, that somehow it's been twisted and perverted. Uh, it's simply doing what God said. He said, speak. He said, declare, pray, bind, loose. He gave us the authority. He does. It's the power. He has the power, but he's asking us to do these things on behalf of the kingdom of God and the movement of the kingdom of God to claim back, reclaim the property, the people, the marriages, the souls that have been stolen from the kingdom of God by the devil. Uh, so we're bringing them back through this kind of prayer and intercession. Well, there's in Acts chapter four, you mentioned about praying in unity. Um, you know, we're talking about what's described as corporate prayer, where maybe two there can be two people praying, mm-hmm. there can be a group of people praying. Here's here's the deal in Acts chapter four: the people were being forbidden to preach the name of Jesus, like you mentioned mm-hmm. the name mm-hmm. of Jesus. That's uh, oh, you don't want to do that because that's the spirit of the world that's coming against the church now. Just don't that's mention the, that's Jesus. That's a trigger word. <laughs> that's a trigger word, but. So they were forbidden to preach. Their, we could call them uh, religious liberties were being trumped. trumped. Uh, kind of like what's going on today. But it says, being let go, mm-hmm. Acts chapter four twenty three. they went to their own companions and reported to them all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Notice it was the religious leaders that were telling them not to preach Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. It was very politically incorrect, wasn't it, to say Jesus Christ or pray or heal people 
in the name of Jesus. What a what a what a breaking of the law oh to heal someone. How horrible. Oh my. So when so when they heard that they that that was the the forbidding of to preaching the name of Jesus. They got together and prayed. They raised their voice to God with one accord. Mm-hmm. They got together. There was an ag- agreement, mm-hmm. like one voice, and they said, "Lord, you are God." who made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the heathen rage and the people plot vain things? That's what's going on in our day. Oh, yeah. The nations are raging. The people are plotting vain, empty, deceitful, diabolical things. Mm -hmm. It says the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. We've got that right even in our own nation Mm -hmm. right now. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, Mm -hmm. and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We need those kinds of prayer times Mm -hmm. in our day, Mm -hmm. because we're facing very, very similar circumstances and probably much more uh, intense and multiplied uh, opposition than what they were facing at that time. And I think for a long time, you know, we have been so devoid, depleted, weakened. Um, It's like a physical body that for many, over many, many years does not get the nutrients and the minerals that it needs. Eventually it just becomes more and more depleted, weak, uh, saggy, sullen, uh, you know, lacks sharpness and alertness. uh, And it just begins to uh, kind of like waste away. And I believe that we have been so um, stripped of the power of the Word of God that in our churches, for example, there's such a mixed gospel being preached that people do not know or understand the character of God at all. And I think that's a part of the problem. People don't understand the the passion and compassion of this Father, um, that this Heavenly Father. And because we have been such a mixed gospel, we're so bad and so sinful and so wicked that God is so half the time mad at us that you know why bother praying? It's just like it's like living with an angry parent. We we think God is angry. He is. Uh, he's sorrowful. I believe he is angry. It says he's angry with the wicked all the time, or every day, or whatever. And that is because anger means of the the injustices, the the severe injustices, the crimes that have been committed against God, against His character, against His goodness, against His generosity, the attitude, the the taking for granted, the that you know, using the very breath that God gives us to blaspheme Him, curse Him, and declare He does not exist. How ignorant and how arrogant is that? And this has got to hurt the heart of God. And yet, God is looking for those who will be faithful to Him, and those who will be, will I truly believe, be greatly rewarded. Now, the rewards are different than the salvation. Salvation is given to many, and the rewards are individually dispersed. So, so you know, again, if God is calling you to intercession and prayer, be encouraged. Find someone who will pray with you, and if not, pray for a prayer partner that God will give you. Um, But a lot of times people, they get in the way of their own prayers, like we've talked about earlier, because people are convinced either that God doesn't care because they believe all the bad media, all the bad press God has gotten 
uh, regarding his character. And they look at the Old Testament and say, oh, that bloody God, that, you know, that crabby God, he's always killing and destroying. But we don't know the, 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 the whole story. I mean, we just know parts of that story. We don't know the true, complete story, which indicates that God was actually killing uh, people who were, you know, uh, destroying in the flood, for example. These were half-breeds, cross-breeds, crosses between animals and humans. They were giants. They were eating the people of God, eating up people. I mean, and, and the others had gotten to such a point of vile idolatry, and the the genetic mix was so incredible, disruptive. That well, the, destru- the destruction of these beings, these creatures, was really the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Yeah. Well, it's like race. this. It's like this, honey. You know, if you know, mercy and God is a God of justice, and God is a God of mercy. But how is God a merciful God if he continues to let the wickedness prevail to destroy the innocent? How is that God's love and mercy? It would be like a parent at home who's got several children, and the one is just an absolute, insane, jealous, demonized bully who keeps beating up the others, setting them up, getting them in trouble, hurting them, and the parent just turns a blind eye because he's a father of love and unity and peace, and he doesn't want to... You know, interfere. That is not a father who is loving. A loving father will step in and say, "Stop it! That's it. You go sit in that corner and and leave her alone or leave him alone." And this is why we get mixed up because God has to be true to both His mercy and His justice. And as we're these judgments that are coming upon us, really, uh, are things God doesn't want to do, but I believe He is. He has to do them because we. Uh, these are demonic judgments because we've listened to the devil. We've followed him. We've practiced idolatry for generations. The sins of the fathers are down to the third, fourth, and tenth generation. We have practiced idolatry. We've not turned back to God. We've not repented. And if we have, it's been for like 20 seconds. And then we go back to our, like when the towers, the towers, the twin towers fell, uh, we repented for maybe 30 seconds. People were in church for two weeks. Then they heard the same old gospel that they always heard that was not helping them at the first time they left and they went away again, which you can't blame them because that was the wrong gospel. And there was no fear of the Lord brought. It was just a, uh, it was a, it was a momentary fear, but it didn't last. But the fear of the Lord is going to come upon this land. When we see what, if we press God, push the, his buttons on this Israel thing, we push his buttons. We will see what God is going to do to speak from heaven. We will hear the voice of God and I don't think many will be, they'll know it's God and many will curse God, but they will know God has spoken that this is stuff that there's no other way. This isn't a plan of the elite, the Illuminati. This is God stepping in uh, to make his, uh, his presence known. But that is what we are at this point praying about and praying in regard to so that it can be, um, uh, I don't know, it'll happen at some point. It's going to happen, but. Um, for us to be in the place of being uh, bold to do exploits in the name of our, our God. But that's the problem. Again, we've got people who are dull-hearted. They're unmotivated. They don't believe God is good. They don't believe God wants to be bothered with their little trivial deals. They don't talk to God. You know, it says pray without ceasing. That means talk to God without ceasing. Um, even to the point of, you know, uh, I know people who ask God for uh, what to make for supper, you know, um, what spices to put on their food. Um, what what does he want them to wear today? I think that's cool. I think that's... In, in everything. Yeah. In, in everything mm-hmm. with prayer. And, and that's prayer. 
Prayer right. isn't always just kneeling. I, I love the prayer closet idea. That's great because it really it causes us to reset the, the frequencies and the systems because we're so overcharged and and I think that's why we sleep too. We have to settle down so our frequencies can get a bit readjusted through the night. But well, Proverbs three five and six says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding of others. Don't depend on your own understanding in all your ways." Acknowledge him, and he shall make your path straight. Mm-hmm. And if we have anybody listening to us, we would love to hear from you. It's three four seven two one five eight zero five one. Prayer is not boring. Prayer is life giving and life changing. Prayer is probably the greatest adventure out there, and yet very few people are taking on that challenge. And there's a great joy in seeing how God answers prayer. And there is the testimony of the greatness of God. Much of the okay. uh, much of the um, uh, the answers to prayer that brings great joy. Jesus said, "Asking you shall hitherto you have not not asked anything in my name. Ask, Ask and him. receive that your joy might be full." And it's mm-hmm. the joy is not only the the answer, but how God brings the answer. Mm-hmm. And you look at how God orchestrates yes. things and how He connects things, and He does it. In such an amazing way that you would never ever, yeah, you, you'd never provision, imagine it. Yeah. He's able to do Ephesians three twenty, able to do the exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And the way he does it, and when we can we can finally see it, it's like God, you are so amazing, yeah. and it increases yeah. our love for the Lord, and, you, yeah. and it increases our desire to prayer and see more of this. Uh, yeah. uh, God and you kind of stand back and say, wow, how did you do that, God? How did you How did you do that? You know, you're so faithful. But going on into the idea of prayer, we also have the idea of praise, and praise is also the demonstration, and it's kind of like, I believe praise is like a thank you ahead of time. It's like you, you, when you praise God, you're acknowledging him as God. You're filled with the joy of the anticipation. Um, you're, you're, you're demonstrating your faith. Faith is the evidence of things um, uh, hoped for. Is that how that goes, Jerry? Ephesians, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Uh, faith is the substance of substance, things, I, yeah, of and things evidence hoped for, the evidence of, of things, things not seen. seen. So even by faith and you're, with the evidence and the, and the substance of faith, those things are yet not tangible, but they're intangible, but by praise we're saying thank you for making them tangible and substance real. There's a guy uh, named uh, Paul Bilheimer wrote a book called Destined for the Throne, and he talks about praise is the spark plug of faith. Mm -hmm. And so praise, uh, and it's not just, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just saying praise God, praise God, praise God. It's not, I'm going to praise him, so I manipulate him, so I kind of flatter God yeah. into giving me what I want. Mm-hmm. But I will bless the Lord, as psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at, at all, all times. times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's right. And so praise is really, and if your mouth it, is... it's really thanking him, giving him credit, mm-hmm. giving him glory. It's not just sitting around saying, praise God, praise God, praise God. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of saying, Lord, thank you for how you helped me today. And, Lord, thank you for the beautiful trees and the sky and the rain. And, 
Uh, thank you well, for my family. Attitude of gratitude. It's the attitude in everything. Mm-hmm. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So there you have you. it. If you want to be in the will of God and you don't know what else to do to get in the will of God, start praising. Because when there's praise in your mouth that's genuine, you're actually connecting with the throne. Uh, you're actually acknowledging God for who he is. You're absolutely in the will of God to praise him because that's what the 24 elders are doing constantly up in heaven, praising him. Or he's holy and he's good. And when you're praising God, your mouth is not being, at that point, being used or available to murmur, doubt, and complain. Um, and that doubting, complaining, murmuring, second-guessing is all, it's like, uh, it destroys prayer. It destroys the desire to pray. It's the devil's effective weapon. So the mouth, the tongue, is a little member that kindles a great matter. So it can be used for good or for evil. So if we can train ourselves, discipline, if you will, ourselves to praise God and thank God and be thankful and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to be thankful. And the other thing a lot of people have the access to is they they pray in tongues, and that's also a very good way to continually pray because you don't have to constantly be thinking up words and, and putting them in, in the sentences and whatnot. You just begin to pray in the Spirit, and that's in uh, Romans chapter 8, it says the Holy Spirit makes um, uh, intercession for us according to the will of God. So it says in verse uh, 26 of 8, Romans, likewise, the Spirit, capital S, also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Isn't that the truth? And that often stops us. Uh, But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes situations are so complicated, really so complicated, so complex, that you and I, humanly, with our mind, cannot figure out what to even pray for. How is this going to work? How is this going to, um, you know, work? How is this going to, you know, turn out? And so when that becomes the problem, I was just with a, a gal yesterday, um, and her situation is very complicated, uh, and God is able, Jesus said, I'm the way. So Jesus is the way. There is a way. There's only one way that that'll work, and that's the way we want to we want to walk in. And so when we don't know how to pray, we can pray in tongues. If you know, if you've been, and obviously everybody has the Holy Spirit. Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. He's not a discriminator. And whether you've prayed in tongues, uh, that prayer, heavenly prayer language, or not, you're still saved. But if you have allowed the Holy Spirit to express Himself, because Himself, because it says now. Verse 27, now he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, so the Holy Spirit searches the hearts. He knows what is the mind of, of the Lord. Um, he may, and then he makes intercession for us according to the will of God. And so he makes, this, uh, makes these intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered or interpreted. Um, that's what tongues are. You you may have some sense in your mind of what you're praying for. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But at the same time, you don't have to because the Lord understands that language. And uh, there's other indications, like in the book of Acts, for example, where they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues. And, and those tongues were languages that were heard and understood at the time. Um, there are many, many languages that are no longer, you know, operating in the earth today. They're ancient languages and stuff. So we're not going to go into, well, all of that, you know, nit gritty, nitpicky stuff. We're just going to say, you know, God, you said it. It's good. I pray in tongues. 
And it, it's it's really powerful, especially when you're doing something very intense, like maybe um, casting out a devil or something. It's it's a lot easier. I mean, yeah, you can use English, you can demand, you can bind, loose, and forbid, and you can do all those things, and it gets easier as you get more language to do it. And I think the more language we have, the easier it is. But you can also pray in tongues, which is a way to pray without ceasing. Um, and in everything, give thanks. And this is an attitude that we can have constantly as well. So that's the type of prayer. Praising, petitions, it's not all about asking. It's sometimes about praising. It's sometimes about declaring, binding, loosing. And it's and none of it's about me, really. When it's about me, then I have to think, oh, am I good enough? Oh, is am I worthy enough? I sinned. God's probably still mad at me. <clears throat> and so guilt and unbelief, the unloving spirits keep people from receiving a lot of prayers, especially healing. Um, so if you're in need of healing and you're getting and and the the sin or your sense of guilt or shame or condemnation are getting in the way and feeling unworthy then you've judged God you've said that God is looking at my sin God cannot forgive me you need to allow the Lord to convince you that you need to forgive yourself and what that means is you need to ask the Lord to forgive you for believing lies that you those lies you believed caused you to sin and it's the lie that separates you from God. It's the lie um, and that caused you to sin. And you think it's a sin, but it's, we confess the sin, but we want to get to the repent and change our mind regarding the lie. And so we confess the sin, we repent of believing the lie, and we ask the Lord to forgive us because God is, he knew from the foundation of the world, guys. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what sins we were going to commit, what failures what pits, what distractions, what detours we're going to make, what backslidings. He knew it all, 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 all from the beginning. He did. And he was still said, it's a go. Let him go. We're going to, we're going to get him through this. We can do this. Um, they're mine. Uh, I speak my love and, and over them. I'm able to do this. And so he released us into this world to... Um, to discover, our life is a discovery of the goodness and character of God. That's what it's meant to be. To discover who he is, and in discovering who he is, then we begin to discover who we are. And that happens through communication, through prayer. And a lot of times I think people think, well, I don't pray. Well, you probably do pray a whole lot more than you think you pray. Because um, uh, I think groanings, uh, you know, crying out to God, tears. I remember uh, in Revelations chapter Eight verse four it says, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. So these prayers, the tears are collected in God's bottles and you know reservoirs. I'm sure he's got reservoirs of tears up there of the saints, people who cried out, children who cried out in dark rooms and places they weren't, uh, they thought they were abandoned and all alone. God is with. God has got to be with us. Don't ever forget that the Lord God is with you or you wouldn't be even here listening to this right now. And so those prayers are ascending as holy. God considers them sacred. They're not lost. They're either combined with the incense that goes up before the throne of God and causes him to um, act. You know, maybe some of the prayers that God you've prayed to God, God is storing them up to be part of that final offering that allows him, permits him to come to descend back to earth, to return to earth, to restore and regain, um, to gather up his people and to um, snatch us from the fires of destruction. There are a lot of things to be grateful for, but we're not going to sit around here 
and believe that God is just going to snatch us up. Yes, he will. But in the meantime, let us be found faithful. Let us be found faithful to the place where God has called you to be. And enjoy and be grateful for your life. Do not curse yourself. Do not say, oh, I wish I were, or if I were only this, or I have to lose five pounds, or I have to, you know, do more, or whatever. The, the most important aspect of praise and prayer is to be grateful and to be thankful and to know that God is working. God is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure because we are his workmanship. We're his vessels created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And um, where's that scripture that says um, we're being changed from glory to glory? By the Spirit of the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, every, you know, what the earthen vessel um, is, we're, we're, you know, the old man, the flesh, if you will, is, is getting weary, but the spirit is getting stronger and stronger um, in in the presence of God and as we communicate and communion, can commune with God. And uh, when Jesus was talking about, uh, he was talking about the parable of the persistent widow that came to this unjust judge. And yeah. the just judge says, this lady is determined she's going to keep bugging me till she gets what she wants. And Jesus illustrated uh, that as, as a way of expressing, uh, explaining persistence in prayer. And, uh, and he said in Luke eighteen seven, shall not God uh, judge, avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. In other words, God is going to reward those, his own elect, we're his chosen, we're his elect in Christ Jesus. And even though, you know, we, we cry out and we're determined, even though it seems like there's a, the answer is a long time in the coming. The answer will come. Mm-hmm. The answer will come. And he says, nevertheless, though, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And so yeah. are, 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 are you and I going to be among the ones who uh, will be faithful to him? God will be faithful to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, will we be faithful mm-hmm. to him uh, in, in trusting, believing, even though that the it seems like it's a long, the answer well, yeah. a long time in coming. And yeah, um, well, in Hebrews chapter chapter eleven, it talks about the the hall of faith, people who had their prayers answered and were delivered from the lions, and people who were eaten by the lions. And so the outcome that we think is so important is not so much the the critical um, determination in God's eyes, but our attitude in the midst of the fiery trial and to be strong in the trial, whether we're eaten by the lions or delivered from the lions. And so here's kind of in summary, um, here's, I'd say, what we want to think about, that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Everything that we need to live godly in Christ Jesus will be added to us. Maybe not everything we think needs to be added will be added, but you know what? And, and if you have a need, ask Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. If you, for example, have a, a critical need in your finances, ask God. Um, and you say, well, I'm not getting it, you know, met because I don't tithe. Well, I believe that, you know, offering, giving God financially out of a cheerful heart is the requirement for the New Testament and not necessarily a, an exact legalistic, you know, 10% or whatever. And so in everything, secondly, we are to give thanks. And to pray, give thanks, and with prayer and supplication, to let our requests be made known to God. Let me read that. That's Philippians. Okay. Yeah, 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. There you go. Uh, 
And there's a little chorus used to sing years ago, Why Worry When You Can Pray? Mm-hmm. Uh, but be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, no, be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I think it's okay to say, I can't do this. I, you know, I can't, you know, I, I, Lord, I have to have your help. I surrender to you. I'd like this and this and this, but there's no way I can do it. There's no way I can my own, my own, of my own strength do it. So, and also to understand in summary also that prayer, um, God has given us specific strategies in prayer. Uh, there's different kinds of prayer. There's the, the spiritual warfare praying, and that's where we bind and we lose and forgiveness. We didn't talk much about that today, but, um, these are all strategies for war to forgive people from their forgive them in their sins or from believing the lies, release them from the judgments, even the ones they're making against themselves. That's what forgiveness means, and turn the crimes committed against them or the crimes committed by them under the counsel of the evil one over to the high court of heaven and allow God to be the judge. So when you forgive them, it's releasing them from your judgment. When you forgive yourself, you're releasing yourself from you being the judge over you and allowing God to be your judge. So forgiving of yourself, releasing yourself from all the judgments, condemnations, guilt that Satan wants to put, you didn't do this, you should have done that, you're a bad you know, Christian, blah, 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 you don't pray enough. Just ask the Lord to forgive you and then ask him to remove from you the demonic judgment Satan is using to try to bring more problems on you. And finally, that the obstacles, one of the biggest obstacles to prayer is as we talked about, it's all about me, the self-seeking, selfishness, instant gratification. It's all about me, me, me. And that's what the world is. That's what the new age is. That's what, I, what idolatry is. That's what paganism That's Satan's bait right now for the, I, you will be like God. You'll be your own God. He said to Eve, you'll be like God. It's the same bait. You're going to be like God. You can be your own God. Nobody has, you can, nobody's going to tell you what to do. Um, you can be God. And why do I want to be God? I've got a good God already, and I don't really need to be God. I'm happy with what I am. That's my look at this thing. So arrogance, ignorance, that's what's going on. A lot don't have confidence in the goodness of the power of God because they bought into the bad press that God is, you know, dubious, doubtful, and vindictive. Or maybe he's dead. Maybe we don't, you know, he doesn't even exist. So, and also the unbelief that it doesn't work, um, and, for, you know, uh, or, or some Christians are feeling condemned because they said, well, you didn't get an answer to prayer because you didn't have enough faith. Um, but remember, Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, that's enough faith. Really. Everybody, he's been, he says, has been given a measure of faith. So everybody's got at least one grain. And he says one grain in his hand given to him, added to his bushel of grain, our mustard seeds, is enough faith to move the mountain. So use your faith to reach out your hand and give your faith, the grain faith of faith, to Jesus and say, Lord, here's my little grain of faith. I believe you. Like the, the man who brought his son, who had been many, many years autistic, thrown in the fire, the, the dad was totally exhausted. He said, Lord, help my unbelief. So his unbelief actually at that point became faith because he gave his unbelief to the Lord and said, Lord, help it. So what do you suppose God's going to do with unbelief? He's going to use it as an act of faith, just like he did with this man's son and turned him around and set him free. So, um, you know, and, and prayer obstacle number 2,500, prayer is contrary to everything we've ever been taught in this world of it's up to me and I've got to do something. I've got to, if I want to, I've got to be in charge, I've got to change it, it's up to me. Um, remembering 
that what Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. That's humility. Humility is the key that greases the skids, that moves the hand of God. I believe, Lord, have mercy on me. I can of my own self do nothing. So prayer is acknowledging my vulnerabilities, my helpless state, uh, and that without God's divine intervention, you know, there is no, there's no hope, there's no help coming. So prayer um, requires that we walk and talk in the will of God, that we want the will of God, we walk in the will of God. Prayer is walking in the will of God. Prayer to God is that. So prayer, um, pray the scriptures. You know, there's some awesome prayers. We didn't get to them today, but in Paul's uh, Ephesians, I think. Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 15 through 23. Why don't you pray that as an ending today? Okay. And uh, But just before you do that, I just want to say prayer, number one, to just conclude quieting of the soul. So, and a focus and a concentration. Um, and prayer is intensity with an intentional uh, action to uh, focus. So it's intentional and it's intense prayer, true prayer before God. It can also be uh, just, you know, singing in your heart. It can be any kind of communion with God. So um, I believe that God is going to help us. Lord, I pray as we wrap this up that you would encourage our listeners today that they would not grow weary in well-doing, but in due season they will truly reap if they do not faint because you will cause us to stand and having done all to stand that we will not fail to fulfill the ministries that you've called us to. And when we get constantly attacked and battered and pushed around and kicked down to the point of being dismayed or discouraged, let us take that as a sign that um, you are with us and the war is real. And so, Father, I pray that you would deliver your people this day from whatever snares that the enemy has set, including the many snares of Jezebel uh, and doubt, unbelief, the world system, the God of this world, technology. Let us lay down our silly devices and pick up uh, a conversation with you, Lord God, and quiet our souls, Father, for peace uh, is is in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then in the, a good prayer to conclude with here, uh, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. This is a prayer really for for you that are listening today, and it's a prayer that you can pray um, for others in the body of Christ. And Paul prays, is therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him goes all in all. And just before we close, I want to just uh, encourage you to check out the new book, Cravings. Um, it's on our website. Uh, it has to do with why I can't quit the things I'm trying to stop or I can't quit what I'm trying to stop about addictions, uh, compel- compulsions, not only in the area of food and, and chemicals, but also in the areas of um, intentions and motivations. So we encourage you, and with that, um, we're going to listen to this little commercial. I want it, and I want it now. Chocolate. A juicy burger with everything. A turtle brownie latte overload. A cold beer. That guy over there. That lady at the counter. Cravings. Intense desires that demand satisfaction often rule our lives. Our cravings have formed habits we can't break, even though they are breaking us. The more we try to take control of our lives, the more out of control our lives become. And we end up doing more and more of what we really don't want to do. In Marjorie Cole's Cravings Manual or CD, you will find rock-solid answers to your dilemma. No more crazy diets, guilt, denial, white-knuckling, or endless frustration. Just a release of truth from the book of Romans that will set you on the path to freedom you never thought you'd have. To receive your copy or CD of Cravings, just go to www.liferecovery.com. That's www.liferecovery.com. Amen. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. I have an emergency. What is your location? 